Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 41 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray for the anointing of God because it is only the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondages off of people's lives, heals blinded eyes, mends up the brokenhearted, and sets the captive free. But in praying for the anointing, we need to recognize the biblical reality that we are also praying for a crushing because the anointing will only flow through those who have been crushed. You see, biblically, the oil represented the anointing. It was the oil that was poured upon kings and priests by the hand of the prophets in the Old Testament. That was a physical demonstration that God was spiritually anointing them for a position and equipping them with the mandates, powers, and authorities to walk therein. But my friend, I tell you that there is only but one way to get the olive oil out of the olive, and that is to crush the olive. Therefore, do I assure you that the true anointing of the living God that will break the yoke of bondage off the lives of men that is so desperately needed will only come through those who have allowed themselves. Because you see what's on the inside, that's like the Holy Spirit and the skin of the olive that is like our flesh. And what is on the inside cannot freely flow through unhindered until first the flesh has been broken and taken out of the way. And this is done by crushing, by pressure. We all want to see the king of glory walk in the room because when the king of glory walks in, the kingdom of heaven comes in with him and we see all manner of miracle manifestation because where the kingdom of heaven is, it overrules and overpowers the lesser kingdoms of this world and of hell. And because that there is no sickness in heaven where the kingdom of God is, there is healing. And because there is no oppression in heaven where the kingdom of God is, there is deliverance. And because there is no confusion in heaven where the kingdom of heaven is, there is revelation. And because there are no lost people in heaven where the kingdom of heaven is, there are salvations. Therefore, do we pray and cry out, O God, let your kingdom come. When the king of glory walks in, the kingdom comes in with him. But even Jesus himself was not manifested as that king of glory until that first he had been through the crushing. Because you see, my friend, when Jesus knelt in that garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane was a garden. It was a olive garden. Gethsemane means the place of olives. And as Jesus knelt there and prayed under the great weight and pressure of the crushing that he was facing to the point where his sweat fell as great drops of blood under the pressure and he cried out, Oh God, if it were possible, let this cup pass from me. But at the moment at crushing, when the flesh finally broke, and those words came out, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. We'll do it your way. In that moment, in that decision, in his obedience to walk it out by faith, was the power of the kingdom of heaven and all of the glory that entails therein was ensured once that he had endured until the end. Because my friend, when you can come to that place where you are absolutely and totally surrendered to the will of God, even when it's not what your flesh wants, even when it's not what your logic says, even when the devil's telling you there's an easier way, there's another way you don't have to go through Gethsemane, I can give it to you, just yoke up with me, just compromise, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, just agree with what I say and do it another way. When you are at that place, 
and you can say, get you behind me, Satan. I have faith in my God. His way is perfect. His way is pure. I trust in his words. Therefore, I will endure and he will get me through to a greater victory than any counterfeit could ever hope to offer me because I have faith in my king and I will stand. Therefore, do I bend the knee to him and to him only. I will worship no other. And in that place of crushing, in that place of desperation, when all seems lost and it seems absolutely impossible to walk in the things that God has promised you, once that the promise has completely died to any physical way that we could possibly see to do it ourselves or to get it easy or to get it by a work or a formula other than to agree with the will and word of God. When we finally come to that breaking point and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Yet though you slay me, still will I worship because God is looking to find those who were willing to endure the crushing and still worship because only the men and women who will walk in that level of faith and obedience and submission and trust will then he entrust with the greater things of the kingdom of God with his power, with his authority, with his anointing. We need the anointing and it comes but one way. We have to get on our face. We've got to seek the Lord. We've got to learn how to pray. We've got to stop running around and doing things our way and assuming that we have the logic or the intellect or the understanding or the impulse, which is an influence of the enemy and not the Holy Spirit and get down on our knees and seek the Lord until that we have clearly heard what he wants us to do. And then we pray and press through. I think one of the most common mistakes that I see in the Christian world is that people will get a vision from God. They will get a promise and then they will straightway run off to try to accomplish it their own way. They'll try to figure out how to make it happen. And in doing so, they yoke up with the enemy or they get ahead of God or they fall into the enemy's snares or they end up falling to the temptations in the wilderness and thinking that they're still achieving it because that they've been promised all the kingdoms of the world, but it was not the way that God intended. It was not pure. It was not perfect. It was not sacrificial. They didn't allow the flesh to be crushed so that the real anointing could flow through with purity and power. Because God will not endorse you. But when you endorse his words, he will prove his words through you. And therefore prove his approval of you by proxy. So my friend, I tell you again that the true anointing of God. I'm not talking about hype. I'm not talking about charisma. I'm not talking about enthusiasm. I'm talking about the true yoke-breaking, life-changing power of the anointing of God will only flow through those who have humbled themselves before the mighty hand of God and allowed themselves to be crushed, to be tested, to be tried by fire. Those who have withstood all the wiles of the enemy and given up every desire for vainglory, who have given up every plan and ambition, who have stopped relying on impulse and intuition, but have learned how to get on their knees and pray like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he told his disciples, could you not pray with me one hour? We need the anointing church and we need a people that are willing to be pressed to get it 
And anyone that tells you that you can jump around and spend a few hours at a weekend conference and somebody lay hands on you and you get the anointing of God is lying to you because it does not line up with the word of God. Therefore, if you get anything from them, what you got did not come from the God of the Bible because the character of God will never contradict the word of God. Neither will the word of God ever contradict the character of God. Therefore, must you know the word to know God and you must know God to know the word. And you've got to humble yourself to it, to be crushed by it, to be changed by it, to be made new by it, to be empowered by it. And God desires to do it. In fact, the scripture says that all of creation earnestly yearns for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And it also says in scripture that those who are led fully by his spirit or the sons and daughters of God, all of creation yearns for those who are willing to humble themselves before the mighty hand of God and have their flesh stripped away, have that flesh crushed and broken and come to the place where they can pray, not my will, but thy will be done so that they can be completely and totally led by that spirit. All of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, those who will be led fully by his spirit. Because my friend, you cannot have your will and his. Because you see, my friend, when you take communion, whenever you do that thing in remembrance of Christ of what was done on that Passover night when they passed that cup around and they all drank of it and came into covenant with Christ, he said, drink of this cup of my covenant that my blood is in the cup. Well, we find out in Leviticus that it says the nefesh is in the blood, which is the Hebrew word for soul. Your soul is in the blood. And the definition of the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion. Therefore, when he said, drink of my blood, he's saying, take of my will. But in order to take of his, we've got to be willing to lay down ours. We've got to stop thinking that we know what to do. We've got to stop thinking that we can do what we want, how we want, when we want, and it will please the Lord. It will not because that is faith in you. And the Bible says that only faith in God will please God. And those that come to God must recognize that he is God and that he is a rewarder only of those who diligently seek him, seek him for his will over our own. But you see, my friend, because we are so hard-headed and so stubborn and so thick-skinned, we are usually not so willing to surrender to his will and trust fully therein. So therefore, in his great mercy, does he have to allow a pressure to be applied, a situation, a trial in our life that will press until that flesh is crushed and we come to the breaking point. And at the point at which our own will is broken, finally his can freely flow through it. Therefore, my friend, I tell you again that the anointing will only flow through those who have been crushed. My friend, what are you willing to give up? Because God is so willing to pour out his spirit and his anointing, but he said that you must first count the cost. You see, Jesus made this very clear with the rich young ruler when he came and Jesus identified the thing in his heart that he was not willing to lay down and God will take us through phases in our life where he will test us. He will ask us if we are willing to give up certain things and we have to be willing to obey and walk in obedience and walk in humility. Or sometimes he'll ask us to take certain things on that are not what our flesh wants to endure, but he is testing our willingness to obey, to be led of his spirit before he will entrust us with the greater things of his kingdom. So in God's kingdom, things are never as they seem. He says that if you want to be elevated, what you need to do is humble yourself. If you want to be blessed, then what you need to do is bless someone else. 
If you want to save your life, then what you must do is lose it. If you want to be counted the greatest, then you need to be the servant of them all. God doesn't do things the way our flesh wants it done. Because he's looking for a people that will submit and be led by his spirit and not by what we want. And my life, friend, to be obedient to the voice of the Lord, I have had to give up reputation, and you will too. I have had to give up many stages, and you will too. I've given up platforms. I've given up relationships, and you will too. I've given up homes, job, money, comfort, titles, time, my will for his. And for it, he has given his anointing. I love it when Leonard Ravenhill would say that everyone wants my anointing, but nobody wants my sackcloth and ashes. My friend, it is available to everyone. There is no one more special than the other. There are only some more obedient. Because you see, God doesn't show favoritism, but he does grant favor. Because favoritism is unjust, unfair favor towards someone who does not deserve it any more than the next. But favor is something earned because when you walk in faith and faithfulness to him and the words that he has spoken, he will then trust you and entrust you with greater favor, power, and authority in the kingdom because that he knows that you will rightly represent him with the use of it. And what we've got to recognize is, is that everyone has an equal opportunity to gain that favor. Therefore, is it not favoritism? Because though he is no respecter of persons, he is a respecter of humility, obedience, and submission. In other words, faith. Because my friend, that is what it takes. And this generation is so desperate for a demonstration of true faith, of the true power of the anointing of God. They get so much entertainment. They get so much stage. They get so much performance. They get so much presentation. But they get very little manifestation of the true sons and daughters of God walking in the authority of the kingdom of heaven, moving under the unction of the Holy Ghost, backed up by the power of the holy anointing of God that breaks the yoke off of lives, would come as they are, but leave forever changed by the power of God, delivered, set free, healed, life changing power of the anointing of God it is available to anyone that is willing to pay the price because my friend there is a price or else Jesus would not have told us to count the cost he said pick up your cross and follow after me but count the cost because I will have no pleasure in those who turn back and the cost is the cross Pick up your cross and follow me. And my friend, the cross is not a piece of jewelry. It represents the place that your will dies. Paul addresses this very issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. When he is confronting the church of Corinth with the realization that there is no easy importation, but only obedience to the will and word of God at all costs. That we must allow all selfishness and pride and arrogance and desire for attention and vainglory and lust and wantedness and covetousness and envy and any manifestation of the flesh to be cut away, to be stripped away, to be pruned away, to be crushed and broken, that we might walk in the true character of God, which is humble, selfless, faithful love. 
But there were those who had come and they were talking a big talk and they were putting on a good show, but there was no power to back it up. There was no demonstration with their life. They had not been changed by the grace that they claimed to have. They were not anointed. They were not breaking the yoke of bondage off of people. They were not casting out devils. People weren't being delivered and brought unto salvation in a life-changing way. Jesus never said that if you just claim my name, you shall be saved. He said, but if you are converted, if you are changed. In fact, he said, many will claim my name and stand before me on that great day. And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you because you were still working iniquity. You were never mine. You were not changed by the grace that you claimed to possess. And anyone who is indwelled by the true spirit of the living God will be changed by the obedience to it. If they are first willing to die to self, to pick up that cross, to say, not my will anymore, but yours be done. Whatever you say, Lord, I will obey. So Paul said, what I do, I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherewith they glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, they want to be seen to be apostles. They want to be seen to be preachers. They want to be seen to be ministers. They want you to think that they're just like us, but they're doing it for their own glory. Don't trust them. Therefore, do I tell you what to look for? If someone truly has the anointing of God, they will have been crushed. They will have endured for the faith. They will have endured for the truth of the word of the Lord. They will have listened to his word and been willing to preach it even though all of hell came against them for it. Even though nobody liked them for it. Even though they've been persecuted, slandered, lied about, rejected, despised, beat, imprisoned. Whatever the resistance, they will have stood true to the word of God knowing that they could trust him. Therefore, does he trust them with his anointing? He says, these that want only self-glory and sell you this cheap Christianity that says you can have all the power, the gifts, and the anointings, and it doesn't cost you anything. When Jesus himself said, count the cost, Paul says in verse 13, for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their own works. Paul continues to tell them that he sees many that are glorying after the flesh and you suffer these fools gladly. He says in verse 20, For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself. I speak as concerning reproach. And then Paul reveals the real thing. The only thing that a true minister of the Lord can glory in is to boast in the Lord for what the Lord has done and for the man of God's faithfulness to stand true therein, that they were willing to speak the truth to all men at all cost. And not to try to sell them a cheap, easy alternative that has no power to save their soul from hell. Because the Bible says that many will be on the wide road and think that they are on the narrow. In fact, that's what the wolves in sheep's clothing do. They convince you that you are on the narrow when you are in fact on the wide. Paul said, I'll tell you how to know who's real and who's not. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above all measure. He had been beaten. In prison more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. 
A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in fasting often, in fasting often. There is no one walking in a true anointing of the living God that does not fast often. In cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? He's talking about the burden that he must bear daily for the churches that are under him. If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. I will not boast of myself, but I will tell you of the price that I have paid for the anointing that I carry. And God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. And he actually continues on to tell of more and more and more perils of all that came against him of how he had to escape lower down the wall in a basket because that all of the city was against him because he walked in and he didn't get a big stage and he didn't get a lot of love and adoration and he didn't get everybody there worshiping him because that he promised them a cheap easy gospel he was hated by men because he spoke the truth but he loved them enough to do it anyway so that at the end he could stand and say I stand clean of all men's blood because that I did not shun to tell you the full counsel of God's word because you see my friend I said it before and I'll say it again Jesus said that if you will go out into all the world and preach this gospel everything that I have told you then I will be with you and I'll be with you even into the ends of the world the power of God is available the anointing is there to break the yokes but it's only going to flow through those who are willing to preach the full counsel of God's word and if you are willing to stand in faith on what God has said you will be pressured you will be crushed so we are going to pray for the anointing today. But I want you to understand what you are actually asking. I'm not going to give you the lie that you've heard from many an elevated stage. That you can get it with a quick, cheap, easy importation. You're going to get it through dedication, through consecration, through sanctification, through faith in the word of God. Because anything you get any other way is not coming from the God of the word. God is faithful, God is able, and God is willing to make you part of some great and mighty victories. But in order to do so, you're, you're going to have to endure some great and mighty attacks. Because my friend, we talked about it yesterday, how he will speak that promise, but then he allows the promise to die so that he can then bring it to newness of life. Because until it has first become impossible to any natural means, will his bringing it to being not glorify a supernatural king? So my friend, I'm telling you, you're gonna have to stand in faith and you're gonna have to endure the pressure that it takes to get you through that Gethsemane, through that Passover and into Pentecost. Because Jesus had to make it through Gethsemane. He had to make it through that Passover season where the flesh had to die, where the lamb had to be sacrificed, where the cross had to be set up on Calvary, where every hope or possibility of what God had said that he was and what people had faith in him to be was lost and still have faith to endure and know that once I get through Passover, then he will bring me back as the king of glory and we can have our Pentecost. Because if it comes any other way, then he will not get glory. Somebody will say that it was done 
by the power of man. Or they will worship a formula and say we can do it again. The only way God gets glory is when the flesh dies and the spirit comes alive. So be willing to pick up your cross, count the costs, and do not compromise. Because Jesus said that unless you are willing to count the cost, then you will go into battle. And when you see the size of the army that is amassing against you, you will decide to make a peace treaty with them. God is saying, do not make a peace treaty with the devil. Do not agree to his terms and conditions. Do not compromise in the middle of the mission. Stand true on the word of God. Pick up your cross and march on through Passover to Pentecost. The anointing is waiting. The outpouring is ready. But all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God who will have faith that the Spirit of God can do what no demon in hell or no man or no stage or no performance or no compromise can do. If you will choose to believe even in the midst of the crushing and let him prove his majesty because my friend there would be no parting of the sea. Without an enemy to press them against it, it took a pressing, it took pressure. It took an impossible situation to prove the power of our impossibly powerful God who can do all things so that others might be stirred to faith that nothing is too hard for our King. Will you be the demonstration of someone who believes and take the pressure of the crushing? Lord, give us a faith that believes, a faith that is willing to go through Gethsemane. Because you see, my friend, in that place of crushing, when you come to that place where the weight is too heavy, where you are too burdened, where what you are facing is so far beyond your ability to accomplish in your flesh, that you come to that place where you know, I can't figure this out. I can't go any further. I can't press through. God, I need you. I lay my will down and I'm crying out for your power to manifest. He will, because then you will know that it was him and not not you and you won't go around telling everybody how you did it you'll go around telling everyone who brought you through it because that place of crushing it brings you to a place of relationship where you can't depend on yourself or your friends anymore where the weight of the burden is so great that even Jesus's disciples couldn't be with him in it he had to get on his knees him and the father alone and cry out and we've got to be in that place where we're so desperate that we get that relationship relationship connection where the desperation of the situation causes activation and we press through and we get that relationship connection to the father where we can hear his voice and we know he hears our cry the crushing brings us to a place of intimacy of personal relationship with our king of knowing of who our God is because the Bible says that those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits my friend I'm telling you you will never truly come to that place of really knowing your God until you have been pressed there in a place of desperation that intimacy and relationship has been built because that you truly needed him because the pressure was so great and it will usually start because that you believed him and you didn't take the easy way. It'll bring you to that place of dependency where you no longer trust in your own flesh or your own ideas or your own logic, but you will humble yourself and seek his face and know that you need him. For most of us, it comes through trials. 
The Apostle Paul said that the trying of our faith produces patience. God will give us that word, that seed of faith, but then it is tried. And when we stand in faith on what he said and don't try to take matters into our own hands, it then produces patience, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. This is why the promise must die. When he gives you that promise, he lets it die so that you must patiently endure and wait in faith as it begins to strip away the flesh and grow the spirit that you might manifest the fruits of the spirit. Because it's through the trials that we go through that produce the brokenness that the anointing can flow through. Submitting to the word of God sanctifies and produces the character of God. Having the character of God enables him to empower you with the greater gifts and anointing of God because that he knows he can now trust you to use it rightly and represent him wholly. You see, my friend, fruits always come before true gifts. The devil will give you that quick manifestation and importation with no price, with no cost. That's what he offered Jesus at the last temptation in the wilderness. But it wasn't until Jesus was willing to resist that and refuse that and rebuke that, that he came out of that wilderness in the power of the real Holy Spirit. Because the reason for the crushing, the reason Passover comes before Pentecost is because that God has to produce the right fruit in you before he will then empower you with the gifts. Because the fruit is the character of God and he's not going to send you out with the power of God until that you first manifest the character of God or you will not rightly represent him with it. He will not give you the seal of approval from his kingdom if you are still manifesting the fruits of hell. You can't wield the power of God until you first have the character of God. He gives you that seed of faith. When you seek his face, he will give you the word and the promise. And like I said, for most people, I think this is where it ends. Because they see that vision, they catch that promise, and then they run and try to make it happen. And they settle for every temptation of the enemy along the way to try to manifest it themselves. But the real anointing, the real power, the real promised land will come by passing through a wilderness. Letting it strip you of everything that's in you that came from Egypt. Once that seed is planted, you've got to let it die. You've got to let it come to the place of, of absolute impossibility. And then you've got to let him raise it to newness of life and grow it and strengthen it and, and branch it out by time spent sitting with the Holy Spirit, seeking him, hearing from him, loving on him, growing the relationship, drawing from that deep wellspring. Letting your roots stretch out deep, branching out in the unseen place of prayer that will get you prepared for the storms that are going to come to try to knock you down once the fruit's there. Because once that he sees that you are ready, then he will allow the harvest to come. He will allow you to move into promise once he knows that you are able to endure and not be so knocked down. Don't get ahead of God, my friend. Don't settle for a counterfeit. Endure the wilderness. Endure the pruning. Endure the crushing so that the true anointing can flow through you. Because God is desperate for someone who will. He needs you. And if you are hearing this today, it's because he is calling you. He is telling you that you were born for such a time as this. You can carry this great gift. But he doesn't want you to give up or quit as soon as the wilderness comes because it is part of the process. God, we thank you that you love us, that you desire to use us, that you have a plan and a purpose for us. 
God, that you are willing to equip us, that you want to draw closer to us, that you want to strengthen us, that you want to make us able to walk in the full power of your anointing. Because you're not about raising up just one more person on one more stage. You want a people who will contend for the faith. You want a people who are sure and strong and know who their Lord is that will walk in great exploits and instruct many. As the Bible says, so God, I'm praying for a people that can understand what I'm saying. That's not looking for the easy importation and the counterfeit manifestation, but they are looking to be the true sons and daughters of the living God, willing to humble ourselves to your will, willing to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh God, let my flesh be killed that my spirit might come alive and move in the greater things that you have promised. Because you said that signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who believe. And we have to prove that we believe by standing in faith on what you say and doing it your way. God, I will not compromise. I will not stray. If all the world turns against me, I will sit and praise your name. I will worship you in the crushing. God, we are asking for the anointing, but we can't rightly ask for it if we don't know what that entails. Because Jesus, you never gave a partial gospel. You never fluffed it up. You never sugarcoated it. You let them know because you said you didn't want them to be offended when the truth began to hit them. That you said, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. I want you to die with me that you might be glorified with me. But I gotta tell you, there's a price. So you You said first count the cost because I'm willing to pour the anointing on you, but it's going to only come one way. It's going to come through Gethsemane. It's going to come to those who are willing to pick up their cross and follow me to lose their life that they might gain it in eternity. Those who truly believe that there is nothing in this world worth trading their eternal soul for. Therefore, they will put down any desire of the flesh to walk in unity with the Spirit of the living God. Lord, we pray for strength to endure the crushing. We pray that you come and reinforce us, Lord, as you did for Jesus in the garden when he humbled himself before you and said, not my will, but thy will be done. It says that immediately you sent an angel to strengthen him. And God, I've seen it many times in my own life that when I got to that breaking point and I said, God, I'm going to stand in faith no matter what. Yet though you slay me, still will I serve you. I know what you told me and though it's impossible, I'm going to praise you in the process because there's a reason for the season and I'm going to believe you no matter what. Immediately you strengthened me. You sent your spirit. You sent your word. You sent your revelation. You sent the very comforter himself and you comforted me in that place. And we built relationship and we built communion and we built strength and we built dependency and we built revelation and understanding. 
and we built trust because that's what all real relationships are built on. And so, God, I trust you. And I pray that others might come to know you in that manner. And for those who already do, I pray that you continue to strengthen them where they are and that you begin to show them the next step and the next level. And you give them the vision for the next mission and you empower them to walk it out by the power of your Holy Spirit that the anointing of God would flow to break the yoke that are upon this generation that caused them to come into agreement with all manner of abominations that caused them to make themselves the enemy of the living God because that they have been told it's okay to have friendship with the world when the word of God says that it doesn't oh God we need a people who will believe you and love you enough to obey you and trust you enough to do it your way so that we can see you demonstrate it because you will prove your own words and no other. You're not in this for the glory of men. You're in this for the glory of your kingdom. And God, I pray that the blinders be opened. God, I pray for the gift of discernment to be given to your people in a greater measure that they may see those false apostles and false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing that Paul continuously warned us about with tears and weeping and travail that he said were in it only for their own glory and even to make merchandise of men's souls that boasted in their own ability and strength. When you said the only thing that we ought boast in is the Lord or in our infirmities or the pressings that we have endured for the sake of the cross, that others might be inspired to withstand the trials of the enemy and know that there is a victory on the other end of it if we will but endure. Because your word says that those who endure till the end shall be saved. But it also says that you will have no pleasure in those that draw back. In other words, you take no pleasure in those who compromise. God, we pray for eyes to see those that are not being led by your spirit. And Lord, we pray for them and we pray that they have conviction and that they come to the knowledge of the truth. But God, we pray that you show us your truth in your word, through your word and by your word, and that we might have the fortitude to stand in faith on your word, no matter what comes against it, no matter who despises or rejects us for it. That we might be counted on that great day to stand amongst Stephen and Paul and Peter and the others. And most of all, to stand before our Christ and not be ashamed of the testimony that will be given of our name and how we represent it yours. God, I pray that our hearts would be broken for the state of the world and of the church. And that it would give us a resolve to pray, to press in, to push through, and to stand on the word of the living God that you might be able to prove it through us. Because until that it has first been preached, you cannot demonstrate it because only once it has been spoken will you get glory by the manifestation of it. So God, I determine today to be the one who is willing to preach it, to speak it, to be it that you might demonstrate it at all costs. Salvation is the free gift of God, but the anointing comes at a cost. Jesus said, count the cost. It's not a cheap thing. It's not an easy thing. It's a holy thing. And we need to treat it as such. Lord, I will endure 
to bring forth a pure and undefiled word of the Lord. And there will be no vestige of turning back in me. I'm not afraid of the enemy. I stand with my king because I want to see his glory revealed to this generation. King of glory, come. Pour out your anointing. Raise up holy ones. Whatever the price, crush us, change us, show forth your character in us. Let your will be done.